G'day, this is Mark Pesci, and welcome to Series 9 of This Week in Startups Australia. Throughout Series 9, we're focusing on one question. What is it that makes a startup successful? Is it a great idea? a great team, great customers, or something else altogether? This is an important question for startups, a fundamental question, and on this series, we're looking for answers. We'll talk to people who have been successful and ask them how it happened. We're talking to startups on the road to success, asking them what they're learning. And that part of our story continues in this episode with a startup focused on helping companies listen to their employees. Is listening one of the keys to success? We'll find out on this episode of This Week in Startups Australia. This Week in Startups Australia is sponsored by User Testing. Experience what your customer experiences with user testing. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed business decisions at scale. This Week in Startups Australia is also sponsored by Squarespace. From websites and online stores to marketing tools and analytics, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. Go to squarespace.com slash Twista for a free trial. Twista is sponsored by Odoo, a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you build and scale your business. Go to odoo.com slash Twista to check it out. Twista's production partner for Series 9 is UTS Startups where they're equipping a new breed of startup founders by inspiring students to launch their own venture and build a foundation for a successful career. To learn more about the UTS Startups program, go to startups.uts.edu.au. There's a saying I really like, and you do hear it quite a bit in startup land. You can't improve what you don't measure. Now, this is true at an individual level. I use an app to track what I eat so I can measure and manage my caloric intake. I use a Bluetooth-connected smart scale so I can better manage the weight. I wear a smartwatch that tracks my activity level and my heart rate so I can manage my health. If you can measure it, you can bring it into awareness. And once it's in your awareness, just because it's in your awareness, it has an effect on your actions. Sometimes that's all that's required. Now, much of the time, measurement serves as a foundation for action. We talk all the time about being data-driven, really. What does that mean? It it means measuring, it means becoming aware, and then making decisions from that new awareness. It's something that we can do as individuals. It's also something that we can do as organizations, which brings us to Team Gauge. So it's with great pleasure that I'd like to welcome the co-founders of Team Gauge, Noel and Ben Smith. 
Welcome to Twister. Thank you. Hello. It's nice to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. So tell me, what does TeamGage do? Well, look, TeamGage is a, a software platform that we built for teams within org- organizations to really work better together effectively. Um, you know, it, there's obviously a lot that goes into that, but at, at its base level, we're bringing people together to uh, measure the right things, have the right conversations at the right time, and really iterate on on what they are as a team and how they operate together. So it's very much bringing the continuous improvement process to managing teams and relationships and and processes. You know, we we like to say um, continuous improvement shouldn't be a fluffy subject. Um, it should be a very concrete thing that you can talk about operationally, you know, that the customer has to do X, Y, and Z with us, and that's taking them too long and that gets them frustrated. Great, let's fix it. Um, you know, at the same time, we might go, oh, we're not we're not as well connected as we could be. Let's go and fix that as well. So it's a very broad range of things that teams need to work on to to be at their best. Uh, but but that's that's the process that we look at. Yeah. So team gauge measures what is important to the team, <clears throat> excuse me, in terms of improving. So, you know, we have um, clients who are measuring communication. How well are they communicating? And obviously, when we all went home to work, that all that communication had to change. And so that was really important to measure and say the way we communicate as a team has to change. So let's look at, you know, each week, each fortnight, are we communicating effectively? If not, let's make some changes and our clients can see if those changes are working or if they're not and we need to try something else. And so it just enables, you know, communication's one example, but well-being is also something. Are we looking after ourselves and each other as a team? Um, obviously, that's very poignant at the moment. But then even right down to like sales teams and looking at the pipeline and are we uh, prioritizing pipeline growth. So it can be, you know, very strategic things that are being measured and the team themselves will look at what is it, is it working? Are we focused on this? If not, what's blocking us? What are our barriers? And they can iteratively improve, try things. If they don't work, it's okay. They can try again. And um, basically, you know, it, it allows teams to be very agile and it's okay to fail, it's okay to try things, and it's getting teams to talk about the right things at the right time. So this this brings up a whole bunch of different questions. First off, I think the question I want to ask is, are, one, are you one of those rare startups that actually got a boost because of the pandemic, because there was a need, as you pointed out, to have a better kind of connection with the team? Yeah, yeah. It, it was a really uh, interesting thing to look at. So when it first hit uh, Australia particularly, uh, we, we saw people rushing to close their procurement um, to, to really, you know, get, get things in as quickly as possible. Uh, so I think that the first part of that was, yeah, very, very um, uh, quick to change. I think as we've gone on, um, you know, there's, there's always good questions around, uh, you know, what's the future going to hold for our organization? Do we have the budget to do anything? Those sorts of things. So um, that's probably evened out now. But I think at the start, it was like, yeah, great. We need something. Let's do it as quickly as we can. And we saw a huge uptake, uptick in engagement for our existing customers as well. Um, so as I mentioned, you know, a lot of them changed what they were measuring because mm-hmm. suddenly what was important was different and the usage went up. They were really relying on on team gauge as a tool to stay connected as a team um, when they're all sent home. Yeah, so an interesting little anecdote on the start of the pandemic. So we had a lot of customers that measure uh, their communication but also levels of trust uh, with the organisation. Um, and 
what happened is we saw a dip in both of those things almost across the board. Um, but the co- the companies that worked on their communication then actually saw their trust levels go higher than they were pre-pandemic, which I thought was a really interesting thing. You know, we, the, the old adage, oh, you've got to over-communicate everything that's important is true, but it's very true and measurable. Um, I, I thought that was a, a, a really interesting insight. And I feel like that's an insight that should be broadcast across all of Australia, because it's clearly something that every business of any size needs to hear yeah. about how to stay connected Absolutely. with their teams. All right. That brings me to my next question, which is almost more of a philosophical question, but it's a philosophical question at the core of your business. When you give team gauge to a client or when you sell it to them, and we'll come to the sales in a minute, how do they know what they need to measure? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question, yeah. actually. I think, you know, Ben and I as founders in the beginning thought this this should be really obvious, right? As a team, you should know, okay, what what's our objectives? What what are we strategically wanting to focus on? What do, where do we need to improve? We just thought that, that's, that's obvious. They'll know. Um, and I guess, you know, we, we live in a market where um, the people that we sell to are often, you know, given templates and, and sort of told what best practice is and what they need to be measuring. And, and so I guess over time we've been able to develop that. We've obviously learned a heap from our clients and the market. Um, and so, yeah, we really guide them through. We have, um, you know, most used questions that provide a lot of value, but then also just get them to think about, and on top of that, what are your focuses right now? Because most of our clients, you know, what they measure is all custom to them. Um, and so we do have to do a little bit of prompting to get them to think about that, which, yeah, you know, hopefully they're learning through that, that these things are important and they should be thinking about them. Yeah. And I think the, you know, that the crucial element is things that the people who are looking at this, these results can affect. Um, you know, there's, um, I think coming, looking at the traditional players who do employee engagement surveys, those sorts of things, uh, they have a tendency to lean towards very complicated measurements that require a consultant to come in. And I guess there's no surprises as to why it's set up that way. Um, but but what ends up happening is it's quite a passive process because you, you sort of submit what you can. Nobody seems to know what to do with it and, and you kind of move on with your day. Whereas what we really want teams focused on is measuring things that they can affect and they can improve themselves right? This whole bottom-up strategy is just far more effective because these are the people that know what's going on. And there's this core here of if you can see the needle moving and it's moving because of the things that you do, then it becomes that virtuous cycle where you get buy-in because people see the needle moving. Absolutely. You know, we hear so much about survey fatigue in the market right now, especially because there's been more surveys as people have been home. But what we see with Team Gauge is that, you know, initially... It might be a bit resistant because, oh, here's another one of these things. Um, but when they start using it and going through the entire cycle of talking about results, putting in some actions and then seeing if that worked, um, engagement increases. And that's because, so, you know, the um, submissions increase because exactly what you said, people see that this isn't going into a black hole. We're actually talking about what I'm saying and we're making um, improvements or changes based on that. And um, yeah, I think I think that's what's needed. These surveys where you, you spend the time and effort and you're told to and that goes into a black hole and, and often what we hear is nothing ever changes. 
well, that that's obviously going <clears throat> to create fatigue. So. Yeah, and, and the one thing that's probably mm. missing from a lot of these improvement conversations is holding on to what's good. Um, sometimes a good result for a score is just not going down, right? If you're great at something, that's great. But if you don't focus on it for six months, you become mediocre at it all of a sudden. Um, so yeah, that's, that's another nuance that's worth, worth talking about as a team. Which, I mean, again, comes back to my point, you know, when I track my calories, I eat less just because I'm tracking my calories and I'm like, okay, I'm tired of the app right now. And slowly the kilos will inch their way back on. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So absolutely. Like we see that, you know, the, the nudge theory that just by measuring something, you know, we had an engineering team that had quality issues. And just by measuring quality, it got the whole engineering team thinking about what can each one of us do to improve that. And, and sometimes just by measuring it and bringing it to the forefront of people's attention, um, you see improvement. And I think that's where it's really interesting for whole of organisations where executive leadership can pick a couple of metrics that will get measured company-wide that really gets every single team on the ground focused on that strategic objective. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Twista Series 9 is proudly sponsored by User Testing. Are you launching a new product, developing a new prototype, rolling out a new campaign? User testing lets you see, hear, and talk to your customers to understand how they experience your brand, your product, and your services. Put yourself in your customer's shoes with real-time video feedback from user testing. The user testing human insight platform allows you to target your exact audience, ask them any question, or give them a task to perform. It's a tech platform that connects brands with their target audiences to get feedback on any experience, and testers get paid $10 for their time. These users aren't doing that to get rich. They're doing it because they really want to help make your products and services better. Watch, listen, and observe the reactions. You can connect the dots and keep improving. You'll get feedback within hours and strengthen your relationships with your customers. Request your free trial at usertesting.com slash Twista and get the fast human insights you need to make more informed decisions at scale. back talking to Noel and Ben Smith, founders of Team Gage. Now, first thing we need to ask is what are you selling and how are you selling it? So, fund, you know, Team Gage is a software tool and, and we sell licenses per head in an organization. So, however many employees are going to use it, there's a price per head and we charge um, annual license fees upfront. So that's a really good model for a bootstrapped business and probably makes a lot of sense now as to how we've been able to bootstrap. Um, so, yeah, that's what we sell. And it's, it's SaaS? Yes, yes. yeah. Yep, soft, yep, software as a service. So, um, you know, we have these annual contracts and, and we service them throughout the year. Um, obviously, yeah, with SaaS, they're getting updates and upgrades as we go. So we're, uh, we're starting to build in uh limited services into the model as well now uh obviously you know to to get the most out of uh improving uh 
people and teams within organizations, you do have to have a leadership capacity and capability. Uh, so that is one thing that we're now looking at um, supplementing the licensing with, uh, but still sort of on a, a, a SaaS type model um, where leaders will have access to uh, leader support and and courses and other things. So, um, but yeah, we're, we're now just in the throes of, of um, supporting our customers in that way. But we do obviously love the subscription model. Uh, I think it provides uh, some certainty to both sides. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's how we operate. And are you just selling in Australia or are you actually selling internationally now? Yeah, so we, we do sell internationally. Um, we've got uh, a mixture between, you know, I guess Australian companies that are a part of multinational organizations. Um, we do have uh, just some straight up international customers as well. So um, UK government comes to mind. Um, but we have a really broad mix of customers as well. So as you can imagine, the problem of uh, having teams work effectively together goes across pretty much every industry. Um, so we have everything from, you know, elite sport to government to um, energy sector to hospitals, which is a really interesting one. Healthcare generally is is um, quite an interesting one. You know, we get a lot of um, teams that find improvement ideas that that we really latch onto because we you think, you know, the, the one that comes to mind is an emergency room uh, where they, they change the way they use their equipment. They found a lot of efficiency in that, better patient outcomes. Uh, so yeah, but, but a really broad range of customers. All right. Now, one thing that I do know is that you've taken a very different path to venture funding than most startups because you got a loan from Tractor Ventures. And we had Matt Allen on from Tractor Ventures earlier this year explaining the model. So he explained it from his side of the fence as the lender. You are the folks getting the loan. Why did you decide to do that versus, say, selling shares to investors, which is the normal way that ventures actually fund themselves? Yeah, so I think, well, there's there's a bit to this, um, probably going back to how we started as a company and, and, you know, deciding to be bootstrapped from the beginning. We thought we could build an MVP that wouldn't take too much capital and we could go and sell it and, you know, um, fund ourselves from customer revenue. And we did that um, up until, what, August last year when, when we had Tractor's uh, loan. So I think that model was working for us and we were able to grow, you know, we would set growth targets each year and we were able to meet those targets. Um, we didn't see capital as a limit to our growth ambitions. We went through Techstars in Adelaide uh, in ooh, 2017. Yeah, I don't know. 17, 18, somewhere <laughs> <around> there. <laughs> I know. Time it's is blurry yeah. now. I understand. Um, and obviously that was probably the first time we really actively spoke to VCs and um, you know, we we were a very fast growth business at that time, and and I think had quite an appealing model um, for investors. But I think through that process, we started talking to a lot of other founders who had taken investment, and and there there wasn't a lot of positive stories. I think there was a lot of negative stories, and the best we could get was neutral, where yeah, it they, was like they, they stayed out of the way. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> Now, you know, I've, I've heard a bit more recently and I do think the VC industry is, is becoming uh, a bit more founder-friendly than it was sort of five years ago. But, but at that time, we, we were sort of looking at ourselves going, why, why would we take this money when it's going to put us on a path where there are time limits now to our success? Um, 
the way we've been doing things that has been working might get changed. There'll be obviously like board um, board seats where, you know, what if there's a, I mean, that's some of the negative stories we heard was about the board seats and the influence that they would put on the business. And, and so I think for us, it was like, we didn't need the money. So it wasn't sort of, why didn't we? It's like, why would we do this? Mm. Um, and I think since then, you know, we've kept going and, and then obviously, We've, we've sort of hit a point where we started to hit a little bit of scale and there's some things that we wanted to do but, it you know, there, there was going to be a bit of capital to build those things out. And that's where, you know, I was talking to Matt in Sydney and, we you know, neither of us are from Sydney but we met in Sydney and he started talking about this thing he's trying to put together and I was like, well, that would that would be ideal for us and where we're at right now in terms of funding. So that was sort of how the conversation started and it, it just went from there. Yeah, I, I think to add to that, we we fundamentally didn't like the model that existed at least a few years ago in VC, which is, all right, we've injected capital into 10 companies. Um, let's make them all go as hard as they can till they either become a raging success or just explode and everyone goes home. We'll call that the Hunger Games model yeah. of venture capital. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. And so, and you know, we, we saw that. So obviously, we're a part of a lot of uh, founder groups. Um, and even at the start of the pandemic, there was a lot of push from most VC backed um, or most of the VCs who are backing these companies to say, "All right, you, you need to cut thirty percent of your workforce right now, today." Yeah. You so know, to extend the runway. Um, and-, and, and we hired people instead. So you know, we, we just. We did fundamentally did not like that model. Like, well, even if we, you know, shoot for being a unicorn and land somewhere, you know, 30% shy of that, we're still providing value and helping achieve our mission, right? Which is to help every team and every organization on the planet to work more effectively together. That that was what we, what drove us. So, you know, not not the money outcome itself. There's just one thing I think just like to reiterate, people are really important to us. Our employee, you know, we we're probably unlike a lot of other startups. We're actually quite slow to hire, sometimes frustratingly so, but but that's because we want to get the right people and, and keep them, you know, for as long as that that relationship works for both parties. And, yeah, so I think that's something also we don't want to have to um, hire really fast and, and maybe um, reduce the, the quality and the fit of our team um, or be forced to uh, fire early because you've hired sort of ahead of the head of that curve. All right. I'm now going to ask you the question we're asking every guest on Series 9. What do you think you've learned now in your journey? You've been at this for a number of years now, and you're actually fairly far on the road to success. What do you see as the keys to startup success for you in Team Gage? What have you learned about what makes you successful? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, it's it's a saying that you've probably heard before, but I think it rings very true for for both of us is you have to have sort of an unrelenting belief that you can succeed, but you have to also accept the brutal reality. And that those two things together is what, is what drives success, right? You need to be able to say, no, 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 we can make this work, but actually the thing we're doing right now does not work at all. Um, so let's, let's come at it from a different angle. Uh, you know, you, you got to believe in the, in the mission, but be willing to change and, and change quickly uh, that that to me, and look, obviously, you know, we, we're heavily influenced by our own product. We we love the idea of continuous improvement and and making small iterative changes. Um, so that that's the way we live. Yeah, I'd like to say all of our success is because we use TeamGate. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, 
you know, and this probably what I was going to say probably actually aligns very closely to what you said, and that is persistence. That um, for us, I, I think looking back, it's always just been about staying in the game, just finding a way. As a bootstrapped company, there's been some really tight months where you're waiting on clients paying bills to hit payroll and it's very stressful. But, you know, we just just whatever it takes, always finding a way to to just stay alive. And I think if you can do that with a with a SaaS company with the right type of business model with, you know, ARR that grows year on year, if you can stay in the game, you inevitably will succeed. So I think persistence and I think the other thing we've learned is hiring right. You know, I, I mentioned we hire slowly, yep. but we have an exceptional team. Our team, you know, we we get we do these with a sort of face of the company, which is a shame because our team are sensational and we've um, been very slow to hire some of those roles, but that's because we we want people that fit our values and obviously um you know, have the right skill set and things. And that's been a huge game changer for us, having everyone, you know, there are people in that company who are so different, but we all have the same, uh, our, our value, personal values are aligned to the companies and that makes for a very powerful force. You mentioned personal values. So my closing question to you, you both share the same last name. It's because you're married. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> What's it like being married to your co-founder? <laughs> oh, you remember that brutal reality thing I talked about before? <laughs> no, look, it's. I think it's hugely powerful. You know, you, you get. Um, yeah, I've I've heard of you know particularly investors VCs sort of saying, oh no no we don't we don't invest in in couples, and I think that's a a real mistake because the stakes for getting things right with just you know two random co-founders is still pretty high but the stakes for getting it right for a married set of co-founders even higher again (laughs) so you got to do everything you can to make it work um and look we we um so this is actually our second um SaaS product we had another um company uh that worked in the tertiary education space and so we've been doing this for, for many years and and we would always you know just at odd hours, we would end up talking about work and be like, oh, what if we did this? And what if we tried that? And um, obviously now that we have kids, it's a little bit different. You've got to do a bit of separation, but the commitment is always there and um, and you're able to just kind of work on things when it suits you. So for us, I think it's been, been great. We've had to yeah. find ways to uh, separate what we uh, are responsible for. I think that that was a game changer for us early on, finding um, – yeah, from from scaling up, wasn't it the yeah. the functional accountability areas and that sort of stuff? So that so we were helps treading on each other's toes at work. But I think the other thing is, you know, I have this um, painting on my wall with the word "know thyself," which I you know I won't go into that. But that's just for me personally. I think the more you can know about yourself, the, the better a person you can be. But I think being married to my co-founder, it's also knowing him and him knowing me. And I, I think. Over the years, we've got to know what triggers each other, what stresses each other out, when it's just time to stop and walk away. And, you know, I think knowing that is incredibly powerful. We um, So I think we understand each other in a way that makes it work. Um, we've had to work at that and, and there has been plenty of fights, no doubt. But, <laughs> but you know, we, we know now it's like, okay, I think the other thing about being married is when the dust settles, there's never, it, it's sort of all behind you. You know, you, if in the heat of a moment things are said, but at the end of the day there's a bigger relationship behind all of this that um, is bigger than, than any work fights. So that's good. 
Noel, Ben, thank you very much for joining us on This Week in Startups Australia. Thanks for having us. Yeah, appreciate it. Twister Series 9 is proudly sponsored by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform to build a beautiful online presence and run your business. With Squarespace, you can blog, publish content, promote your business, announce upcoming events and special projects, sell products and services of all kinds, and much more. No matter what you need to do online, Squarespace has the answer. They've got beautiful templates by world-class designers, along with powerful e-commerce functionality to help you sell from day one. Everything is optimized for mobile right out of the box, plus it has built-in SEO, free and secure hosting, and award-winning 24-7 customer support. From websites to online stores, from marketing tools to analytics, Squarespace has what you need to succeed online. Go to squarespace.com twista for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the code twista to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com twista. What is important to us? Why is it important to us? These are the ideas that are floating around in the back of our heads when we make a decision to measure something. And in some ways, measurement has been, I guess, almost an unconscious behind-the-scenes motivation around this entire search for what success is. Because what we're doing when we're asking people what success is, is we're asking how they measure it for themselves, how they have learned about the things that they need to pay attention to, that they need to bring into their consciousness in order to be successful, and that they've learned this in the process of becoming successful. So how do you measure success? Now, at one level, A business measures success because it is profitable. It is able to pay the employees. It's able to pay all of its bills. It's able to maybe earn revenue that can be delivered to shareholders. It can gain in its customers. All of these different metrics, again, the things that we measure, are the ways we tend to think about success. But is success purely transactional, even in a startup. Yes, there's always going to be that transactional element. Yes, you always have to be able to pay the bills. But is that really what we're talking about with success? Do we say about someone that they're a success because they've been able to build a business? Or do we think that they're a success because they've set out for and achieved a particular set of goals, which actually extend far beyond the idea of building a business? Well, the only way we can answer that is by asking ourselves, what are they focused on? I mean, a lot of people and a lot of businesses really are just focused on keeping the doors open, particularly now during the pandemic. There's nothing wrong with that, but we are always conscious of, and I think we tend to applaud the folks who are not just there to keep the doors open and the business taking over, but have a broader purpose in mind, that success for them actually means more than that, that success for them means that they need to measure 
other things. They need to select those things. And maybe the first time they measure them, they're not going to get them right, but they will learn through experience what they need to measure about how they're doing what they're doing, how they're being the person that they're being, how the company that they're in is evolving, how their staff is growing, that all of these things together, which can be measured individually and can't really be measured in the aggregate because there's really no one meter that shows all of those different things. But if you imagine this almost cockpit of different meters out there and you cast your eye across them, how do you find the right mix of those that tells you what success is? And it feels like if we could break it down like that, we'd have even more insight into what it means to be a successful startup. And you can see with companies like TeamGage, they're building some of the pieces and the components that you might need to be able to ask those questions and get reasonable answers to them. Because measuring is not just an activity, it's an intention. When you measure, you sign up for change. You're listening to This Week in Startups Australia. We'll be right back. Twister Series 9 is proudly sponsored by Odoo. One of the toughest parts of building a company is choosing which tools and service providers to use. You want to pick the best solution for each department to help your employees succeed because they deserve the best. But you want to be frugal and not spend too much. And there are so many functions in a startup. Each space has endless vendors. There are sales tools, email marketing, accounting, HR and payroll, project management, customer support, point of sale, e-commerce. It goes on and on and on, and eventually you end up with a Franken-stack of tools that cost a lot and don't integrate properly. Odoo is a fully customizable and fully integrated suite of business apps that lets you build and scale your stack as you scale your business. It's simple and modular, so you use what you need, and all of their apps integrate perfectly with each other. Plus, it's all open source, so you can spend capital on talent instead of expensive software. Take your pick from accounting, project management, invoicing, sales, marketing automation, help desk, timesheets, inventory, and so much more. Your first app is free forever. And right now, Odoo is offering a $1,000 credit on your first implementation pack. That's no joke. Take $1,000 off. Go to odoo.com slash twista to check it out. That's O-D-O-O slash twista. I was really pleased to see Ben Smith point to the essential tension between a startup founder who is completely focused on achieving the outcomes to be successful and having to be flexible about how those outcomes are achieved. There's a tension there. There's, it's unresolvable. It's a dilemma. That tension is always going to exist. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it in the right way? Do I have the capacity to change? to even see that I need to change. These are fundamental questions that everyone in a startup needs to be able to answer if they expect success. Big thanks to Twista sponsors, user testing, Squarespace, and Odoo. Thanks to our production partners at UTS Startups for their assistance. Thanks to Noel and Ben Smith for making the time to come onto our show. 
please come visit our website at twistartupsaus.com. It's got everything. It's got all the shows now that we've fixed everything. It's got all the interviews, all the photos, all the links to all the stories. So check it out at twistartupsaus.com. We will be back with our final news special for Series 9. And since half the country is in lockdown for it, it's sure to be filled with interesting challenges. Until then, this is Mark Pesci thanking you for listening to This Week in Startups Australia.